Welcome to another Bra Finance podcast, and I'm really excited to talk about index funds. And you've probably heard them before. You probably heard other people talking about them. And some people are going to say they're good. Some are some are going to say they're bad, and you know, and everything in between. So, really, to make a decision, you have to do research. It's not just about listening to what someone says, listening to what I said. Do your own research. And what I do for every investment that I do, whether it's buying a house or investing in stocks or buying a company, individual or like investing in an individual company or whatever it might be, there are steps and techniques and things that I think about, which we'll go through this pod, not in this podcast, but we will definitely be going through it throughout the podcast that we do of how we make those decisions. It is not just a gut feel of like, eh, we'll buy this one. Because if that's your approach, well, you know, you're kind of screwed in a way because when things aren't exactly what you expect or things kind of become volatile or something happens like COVID or the stock market suddenly crashes for no reason, you know, if you haven't got a method or a strategy or a way of understanding what's actually happening, you'll probably panic, you'll probably sell your stocks, you'll probably buy something you're not supposed to simply because you haven't got a checklist of what to do. Right, or you buy index funds or really good investments and accidentally sell, and you know because you just panicked. So our goal is not to let emotions take over. Our job is to go numerically, no emotions. What is actually happening, and based on that information, what decision should I make? So that's the kind of stuff we really want to teach in these podcasts. But for this one, let's talk about what an index fund is because it's super important. Index funds is actually the first thing I invested in. Uh, once I paid off my debt and I started to have a little bit of capital. So let's go into a tiny little bit of uh, story time. So uh, index funds was invented by someone named Jack Bogle. And you probably heard of his company called Vanguard. He's got a lot of videos on YouTube. People talk about Vanguard all the time. It's one of the best companies. Jack Bogle has probably done more for humanity than some of the most famous people you can ever imagine. Right, it's like the impact of what he came up with with the index fund. It's just so monumental. It gives average people the ability to win the stock market, to win that game, and to do it safely and responsibly. And you just couldn't do that back in the day, you know. And when I say back in the day, I'm talking now pre eighties, seventies, fifties. For like, it just didn't exist, right? So. Let's talk about what actually is an index fund. So we're going to do a little bit of an analogy, a little bit of story time. So you know what? If you want to grab your cup of coffee or you know, you're know you going for a drive right now, let's just do a little bit of story time. Think of when you are back at school. So you have a, you know, you're in your cohort, you've got classmates, and let's pretend it's final year of your university studies. So you've got you and your mates, there's, let's say there's 100 of you in class. Now, it's the last day of university. And you're all about to go off into the real world. You're going to start making money, start spending money, start spending it, start paying for insurance and rent and all these things, right? And what we want to do is this. Here's the kind of the rules of the game. We're going to send everybody off. There's 100 people. We're going to send them off into the real world. Some are going to get jobs right away. Some are not. Some are going to end up at McDonald's or working at Bunnings or wherever it might be, like some of my friends did from when we graduated from aerospace. You know, like you think you're going to get a job right away. It's like, no, you're going to end up at bloody Coles or something like that. You know, so you never know what's going to happen. So in your group of 100, some people are straight away going to get into the industry on $100,000 salaries. Some are going to be stuck on 50000 Some won't get jobs at all. Now, let's freeze it for a second. 
let's say six months after you graduate, we we determined every single person what's their salary and what's their expenses for the year. We added all the incomes and we added all the expenses and we minus them from one another. Okay. Whatever that value is, if it's positive, it means as a group, as a group of a hundred, on average, you grew. Okay. So if you think of all that spending and all the expenses in that group of a hundred as the economy of those 100 people, the economy grew. Now, if the expenses were significantly higher, than, or if they were higher than the total income, well, then the economy actually shrank, right? Because you didn't actually create more value. You actually consumed more. So if you think about it that way, that's kind of how most economies work. So let's replace the story. Let's say instead of individual people, each person started their own company, right? Out of all those hundred, every single person started their own company. So again, Some people's companies went broke, some went massive, and they went in the New York Stock Exchange and all that kind of stuff. And we sum up all the assets, all the value, all the income, all the revenue that was generated. We minus it from all the losses of the businesses shutting down and um, businesses struggling and getting bailouts from the banks and eh, all this kind of stuff, right? And you sum them all up. Again, you will have a, a rough measurement of how that group of 100 were actually performing as a whole. So did the economy of that 100 actually grow or did it shrink? Now, let's replace it with, instead of 100 people with 100 companies, let's replace it with the top 200 largest companies in Australia. And we do the same calculations. Now, this isn't exactly how it goes, but this is how you think about it. This is an easy way of thinking about it. So if you take the top 200 in Australia, and you do the same calculations, you'll be able to get a rough measure of did Australia's economy actually grow or did it shrink this year? Now, day to day, it's going to fluctuate bit by bit. But us as investors, right? if you want to get a feel for the economy, you take a step back and you want to go, well, how did it perform over five years? How did it perform over 10 years? Has our economy consistently grown? Was there a big dip? What you'll find is at years such as 2008, when there was a big financial crisis, you know, when COVID hit, the stock market would suddenly plummet and then it will recover and then it'll plummet and then recover. And then you have all these gyrations day to day, right? But this way of measuring is called an index. Now there's many different types of index. There's the ASX 200, which is the top 200 companies in Australia, right? And when we say largest, it's by market cap. And market cap is a measure, again, of how valuable that company is in terms of dollars. So then you also have the ASX 300, right? You have the S&P 500, which is the top 500 companies in America. You have the Russell 2000. Basically, there's heaps of different types of indexes you can follow. Some are specifically companies that deal with renewable energy. Some do specifically all companies in Asia, specifically in Europe, for example. You know, whatever it might be, it's really a collection of companies in different combinations. That's what an index fund is. Now, why would you invest in an index fund, which has a collection of all companies, which, like we said before, let's say it's the ASX 200, maybe 50 of them are really fantastic companies and the other 150 are complete garbage. Well, why don't I just invest in the top 50? Well, here's the thing. When we think of investing, we're not thinking of investing in terms of what's going to happen next year. What we actually are thinking about, you know, myself and 
the guys who are going to be joining this podcast is we're long-term investors. What we want to know is if I put money somewhere, doesn't matter where it is, if I put money somewhere, there's only a few things I really want to know. If I put money in, how much will I get? How long will it take to get that much? And how sure I am? I stole that from Warren Buffett. But that's really what you want to do. Now, if you can't really work out that whole thing, right, which most people can't, then you really don't want to invest in whatever that thing is. For example, let's say there's a new company that just came out and they're making a new technology that makes better drills, okay, hardware drills. Now, this company we hear is amazing, but how certain are we that this company is going to be around in five years or 10 years or 20 years? Okay, there's ways and techniques to analyze that. Things like looking at their earnings, looking at their profit, looking at their competitors, looking at their return on equity, looking at their earnings per share, looking at their assets, looking at their I'm probably boring you. And that's the other reason. It's it can be very boring. And you have to research a lot of companies. And most people either don't have the skill, don't have the time, don't have the interest to actually do any of that work. So how are you supposed to win the stock market? Well, this is where the index fund comes in for average investors. Number one, an index fund is a collection of companies, which means you're automatically diversified. What does that mean? It means because you're putting in a little bit in every company, if one company, even a big one, suddenly goes under, you've spread your risk amongst two or 300 or 500 companies. And if it just so happens to, sh- to go out of business, you know what happens? Another one takes its place. Whatever the next one is in the list of market cap, that's really all it is. So you don't even have to manage your stocks. You don't have to know which ones are coming in or going out or which ones are going up or which ones are going down, you know, or year to year if the market's going up or down, whatever it might be. All you have to do is go buy the index, buy the index fund, and then that's it. You don't have to think about the company. So that's why it's really good for individual investors because they don't have to analyze companies because it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. It's a lot of studies. There is one really famous investor. His name is Monish Pabrai. And I love this guy. He's one of the coolest guys ever. I'd love to just hang out with him. And he says stuff like um, he does it full time investing in stocks and he can spend an entire year investing, uh, uh, entire year researching companies, reading annual reports, doing all these things to analyze and understand which investments are good and bad. And by the end of it, he may not have bought any. Just, just because it's that much work to do, and he just doesn't find any good deals. And you need to really know what you're doing. Now, the mistake I see a lot of people make is, you know, either they still have debt, or they have all this cash and they don't know what to do with it. And they hear from a friend, oh, so-and-so company is going to do really well. Let's just go buy it. Based on what? They haven't really thought about, well, why am I actually buying this? You'll be surprised. When you're buying a new camera or a new laptop or you know, you're going on holiday or whatever, people spend more time making those decisions than they do picking, in a, picking a company to invest in. I'll give you an example. When you're buying a laptop, What do you look at? You look at screen size. You look at the price. You look at who's actually making it. You look at the brand. You look at the deals. You look at the features. You look at the RAM. You look at the hard drive. You look at the software. You look at all these things. And this could take you weeks. And by the end, you're like, yeah, I don't think this is the laptop for me. And you you make the decision and that's it. Right? Very logical most of the time. Unless you're an Apple person. In which case, you're like, I must have it. This one's in blue. I think my uh, my girlfriend sometimes is like, um, 
she'll for just for example this this hasn't actually happened but this is how she would be it's like she'll just buy an ipad for example and she'll spend i don't know two grand on however much ipads are and then it comes in a different color and she's like i must have it <laughs> you know uh so okay i digress but basically people spend more time researching those things than they do companies now i've heard stories of people going i bought this company i think it's going to go from one dollar to ten dollars and you ask them based on what and they'll say something like well you know i read it in an article which article what was their evidence what was their logic why 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 if they cannot explain as peter lynch peter lynch says if you cannot explain why you bought something in just a few minutes and it doesn't and it makes sense if you can't do that you shouldn't have bought it, right? No matter what anyone says. So that's why when it comes to individual stocks, as a beginner, I stress, I highly stress, don't get into that, right? It's very exciting because it's like you hear a friend who goes, oh, I bought Netflix when it was $1 and now it's like $100 or 300 And you get excited and you're like, well, I don't want to miss out and, and all that. But the way you think about investments is you actually have more time than you think. The way... Warren Buffett explains it is if you imagine you're in the baseball field and they're throwing pitches at you, they're throwing balls at you and you have to swing in investing. There's no limit. They can keep throwing pitches at you. They can throw a hundred or a thousand or 10,000 or 50,000. You don't have to swing at any of them. There's no penalty. What you do when you're picking an individual stock, once we get into that is you're looking for the perfect set of circumstances the perfect company that comes in, that perfect ball that comes in, and it's just at the right height, right speed, you can see it, you know which swing, you're freaking gonna knock this out of the park, then you buy, okay? But most people don't know how to carry out that process. So don't do it until you're ready. Don't feel pressure, don't listen to this social media. You're gonna get heaps of articles saying, buy now, buy now, there's gonna be a real estate bubble, or you know the economy's crashing, or so-and-so company's gonna go out. All that is designed to make you panic and designed to freak you out. This podcast is about teaching you how to put all that noise to bed, to ignore it, and learn the fundamental techniques to make your decisions, to plan your financial strategy. And you know what? Maybe you're not ready to buy stocks yet. Maybe you have $50,000 sitting right there and you're like, well, I'm just tempted to spend it. Well, maybe what's best for you is to just keep it as cash. Maybe just for peace of mind. If you feel that there's a sense of uncertainty in the economy and you want to make sure that, you know, well, my job isn't really secure, it's nice to have something there on the side. Well, then don't spend it. You know, the book, one of the books I've read recently is called Psychology of Money. Fantastic book. And basically, one of the things it says in the book is we want to make sure that whatever we do when it comes to investing or or stocks or real estate or whatever it might be, well, things when it comes when it comes to money is you want to make that once you've made the decision, you can you can still sleep at night. Now, people's tolerances are different. Some people can handle a lot of risk. Some people can't. But I don't really see personally the point in taking massive amounts of risk if you can't sleep at night or if the outcome of that risk is that it completely destroys your entire entire financial plan. What does that mean? It could be you could you could be working towards okay, I've got a great job, I've got great savings, I've got good investments, but if I'm wrong on this one bet, I'm screwed. I lose all my money, I lose all that my uh, all that cash, all that time, and now I have to borrow off my house and and all these kinds of things, right? So you don't want to make those kinds of decisions where the outcome is complete catastrophic failure. 
because it simply sets you back far too much. So the great thing getting back into index funds is it's a good way to get into the game. I suggest if you really do want to get into index funds and learn the process, for argument's sake, let's say you have 10,000, 50,000, whatever it is, don't put it all in. Just put 100 bucks in. Yeah, yeah, you're going to incur a $20 trading fee, whatever, but that's not our goal. Our goal is for you to experience the process. So if you decide to buy an index fund, you know, something like VTS or VAS or, you know, Vanguard. So basically I'm describing Vanguard funds that are index funds, right? VTS is the one for the US. VAS is the one for Australia. VAP is the property one for Australia. I'm not saying buy it necessarily. I'm just saying if you decide to buy it, by putting in $100, you can actually see how it works. Because you put your $100 in and you can see it tomorrow. It's now worth $99 or $98 or suddenly $105. And what you'll notice is you start to feel emotions. You start to panic, maybe a little, oh, I'm going to lose 100 Now, here's what people say. Ah, it's only 100 I can lose it. That's not the right approach. Because in terms of long-term investing, Warren Buffett had two rules. You know, Don't lose money is rule number one. The second rule is don't forget rule number one. And the problem is this. If you are in that mindset of, eh, I can lose it, what happens is you buy your first investment for 100 bucks. You lose it. Your next investment not only has to cover the $100 you lost, but it needs to make far more to actually bring you back to break even and then to profit. So whenever you make financial decisions, losing is not really something you want to do. Right, So you want to mitigate that as much as possible because it's more important to stay in the game and make less profits than it is to take a big bet and lose it all. I, personally, I just don't see the, the benefit in doing that way. It just kind of hurts you, ter- it hurts you long term. Okay, So once you put their money into this, you want to exercise your stomach. You want to learn that, okay, when it dips, it's okay. When it goes up, it's okay. The nature of an index fund is that long term, not day-to-day, not week-to-week, long-term it will grow. You will have to be ready for times where the market is down 30%, right? And understand what is actually happening. I'll give you an example of COVID. So in February, March 2020, the market, for example, for the US Vanguard stock, which was VTS, was sitting at roughly, I think, 300, uh, 290, 280, something like that. Let's say $280. Now, let's say you bought your stocks at 250 Okay, so you're like, great, I made $30 profit per stock. And then it collapsed <laughs> all the way to 240 If you don't know what you're doing or don't understand the nature of an index, you'll probably panic. 18 months later, it went from 250 all the way to 330 330 Why is it that the index can recover? Here's why. The index is a measure measure of the entire performance of a country. So let's take the US. You have the top 500 companies in there. Now, the market collapse goes all the way, drops by 30%, goes from 300 down to 250 or something like that. And it's gone all the way down. Now, is that real? Did it actually happen? Well, not really. What happens is when it was all the way high and it started to collapse, people panicked. So they sold their stocks, which then caused it to drop even more, which caused more people to sell their stocks. And it happens over and over and over again, and it snowballs until eventually it kind of equalizes at the bottom. 
then what happens is people start getting excited again. They start getting happy and they start getting confident with the market and they start buying and it causes it to go up again. Now, really smart people understand, well, why does it go down? Because people panic. But then also, why does it make it go up? What makes it go up when the entire economy goes down? Well, here's why. Creative people, strong businesses, people, things like Microsoft, Apple, you know, Facebook, like these companies, they will survive. And when they survive, you know what they do? They get creative. During those downtimes, they actually can sometimes make even more profit, right? Look at company like Zoom. They made heaps of profit. Netflix during those times because they go, hey, it's a down market and people are in a certain situation. Let's get creative. Let's actually increase our user base. Let's make more revenue. And again, their income and expenses and all that stuff contributes to the index, which then causes the index to start rising because the economy is starting to recover. This has happened hundreds of times over the last hundreds of years, a hundred years. There are so, I think how many recessions are there in the last hundred years? I think, I think it was like 50 recessions. And every time it kept growing, it kept recovering because the economy wants to recover. So really the only time an index will completely collapse, they say, is if it's, if the entire society has broken down. What that means is like, there's no more rules. Money doesn't have any value anymore. It's just people in the streets fighting for food, like complete economic collapse. That's really the only time you can lose massive amounts in index funds. Unless you buy and sell it just very dumb times. But the the idea of an index fund is you buy it, you hold it, and that's it. So let me give you some numbers before we close off. If I invest in an index fund, any index fund, right? And it has a 9% return or a 10%. Now, what do I mean by return? Well, if I invest a dollar in something, anything, and next year it's worth $1.10, it's a 10% return. If it's worth $1.50, it's a 50% return. Okay, and then the return compounds over time. So I get returns on my returns. Okay, think of it like that. We can go through more of that later on. But let's say I invested $10,000 in an index fund. Now, remember that thing we said before, how much am I putting in? How long am I putting it in for? How much do I think I'll make? And how sure am I? Okay, those are the things we think about. So with an index fund, it's actually fairly predictable. Because it's very slow and it's an entire economy. It doesn't really move all that much. It's not very volatile compared to an individual company. So getting back to our example, we have $10,000 and we invested over 30 years. So at a rate of 9% or 10%, let's just do 10%. At a rate of 10%, that $10,000 will become $170,000 in 30 years, right? So that's kind of our simple calculations of how to predict should I invest in this and how much will I get and so on and so forth. So in other podcasts, we'll talk about how all this fits in and some of the calculations you can do. But really, this uh, podcast was just to explain to you what an index does, how it behaves, what it does over time. And we're going to go through it more and more as time goes on because it's not really something you can learn in you know 20 minutes on a podcast. It's something that you know you, you keep learning, you keep understanding bit by bit. And by putting a little bit of money in there, you can kind of see the process and see how your emotions kind of take control. But on that note, let's finish up. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and I will see you at the next one. Bye. Thanks for watching another episode of Bruh finance if you want to support the work we're doing you love the things you're hearing from us consider supporting us through patreon at patreon.com forward slash brah b-r-a-h underscore 
finance. By signing up, you're going to get access to all sorts of things like spreadsheets and articles and video and training and all sorts of content. So again, thank you for watching and have a great day.